What do you do to keep your muscles firing on all cylinders, toned and defined at all moments, and ready to jump into action when you need it? <laughs> Surely you just. I guess get some variety in my workout. Yes, but what if I'm not talking about our bodies, but our creative muscle? Oh, it's equally important to work, I suppose, but how? That's what we're talking about today. The Speakeasy Podcast, honest conversations about leadership and sanity in the creative industry. I'm Karen Steffel. And I'm Jen Estel. Managing creativity and business, we probably have an opinion on that. No prohibitions. Clearly, we have cocktails. We talk about wanting pitchers of cocktails be when we find one that's one of our favorites, and truly, this is just so good. It's called the Nelly Ka. First of all, ginger is one of its ingredients, and I, there's never anything with ginger in it that I don't love. Well, and that ginger is crystallized ginger, and it goes on the top of the glass, which is so beautiful. Yes, so there's a, a crystallized ginger sugar rim, but inside there's a little bit of ginger syrup, which is really a special kind of surprise, and you get like the spiciness, but at the, it's answered then with simple syrup and some lime. So it's this really nice balance of sweet and tangy and a little bit of spicy. And then you round it out with some whiskey. Whiskey's always good. And we've got the Woodford in this one, Woodford Reserve Rye. So it is a beautiful and delicious drink for sure. Check it out. So you asked me a really funny question. What do I do to keep my muscles firing all all cylinders? It's a fun time of year to have that conversation. But really... um, I think in reflection, we've both been on projects that have really taxed our creative muscle. I know I'm wrapping, I've just wrapped up a project that has taken me 14 months and it's taken everything that I've had to put my all into it, but also my teams. So uh, you as well, right? Yeah, we are on month 16 of a really big one. And it was funny that both of us were experiencing that at the same time, one long, long creative project and coming to the end of it leaves you wondering, what am I going to do next? And how am I going to do anything next? Well, I feel like, I don't know if there's rote memory <laughs> in in muscles, but if that's a thing or not, but I do feel like there's this muscle memory in the kind of creation we've done that's been very repeatable and very intense over the last, especially wrapping up these last three months have been intense. It's almost as if I'm not quite sure how to, you know, one muscle got really strong while another one got really flabby. So have you got really good arms right now or really good abs? Oh, uh, I have I have really decent legs. <laughs> from lifting all the heavy from things. From lifting all the heavy things. And my back is strong like mule. <laughs> so the next challenge then is to find a way to make the other muscles in your creative space a little bit more rounded out, right? Yes, absolutely. You know, we wrapped the year really coming together as a team and doing something really fun and ridiculous for our holiday film. Um, So that was really satisfying and it was nice to come back together and do something completely opposite from what we had been doing. But we're really looking forward to um, all of those next pieces. So it's again, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, Not, not so much back or legs. It's definitely not back day. It's not back day at the at the creative gym. Yeah, and so this was an interesting conversation and a topic for us as creatives because I don't think we're the only creatives that um, end up getting, you know, working on one client specifically until you have seen that PMS color in your head and can't dream without it or working on a very long project. And being able to expand and think through other creative problems well is, I think, something that takes some practice. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, it's interesting. One of the questions I had for you is, do you feel like creativity is a talent or a skill? I think it's more of a skill. It's just more of a skill. I think 
Many people have proclivities toward creativity, and I think almost every person is incredibly creative in their own way. Using that creativity well in a certain industry is the skill that you have to practice. Yeah, so like, so if it's a skill versus just something you innately walk around in the world with that you were born with and you continue to cultivate. So if it's a skill, if we compare ourselves to athletes and use kind of a sports metaphor again, is that you you do have to work it out to continue to make sure that the skill, you know, maintains its refinement. You could have very quick reflexes and use that to throw a football or to hit a baseball, but you've got to practice whichever one you choose to be very, very good at it, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And so I think similarly, creativity is like that. So when you find yourself in that um, constant churn of doing the same style of of creativity, so if you're a writer and all you do is write press releases or all you do is write social media, you have to kind of branch out and hone your skill to do a different style of writing to round out your writing skills so that you don't forget that part of your skill. That's true. And it's funny that you mentioned writing because personally, when I am writing, I might be doing long form and know I'm writing anywhere from six to 20 paragraphs. And in the middle of that creative development, little nuggets will pop out that could turn into a very good tweet or a nice social or some other a headline somewhere. So sort of in the midst of creativity on a long project, Um, slivers of ideas pop off that you want to sort of reserve and use them in some other way or some other capacity. And um, then I suppose you can pick one of them up and start to exercise that muscle. Yeah. And I think if we're operating inside the concept that creativity is more of a skill than a talent, and, but you, you just said that you think that everybody is creative in their own way. There was a book you told me about recently. Yeah, there's this great book. It's called The Dot, and it's written by Peter Reynolds. It's a children's book. It's got a charming illustration, but it sort of goes through the idea of exploring creativity in one topic. And the premise of the book, the little girl who is in it, she writes a dot on a piece of paper, and her art teacher talks to her about it, and then she she explores what else she can do with a dot, which is a very simple form, right? Just a very simple circle. What could you do with that? And how could you expand that if you really push it? I love that because for me, that um, what that signifies is don't just stop with your first idea or your first iteration. Mm-hmm. Do it again and again and again and again. And when you look at, at great artists, particularly fine artists who have a topic that they revisit or a color palette that they revisit, you see such depth and breadth in that mm-hmm. that it, It's such an interesting well of creativity, but that takes doing it over and over and over. Yeah, absolutely. And failing. I think one of the things that um, failing and revisiting or failing and retweaking or doing a nice job, but, uh, you know, any artist is going to look at their own work and go, "Ah, it's still not what I had in mind. It's not exactly a reflection of what I had thought I would do. My hand didn't match my heart or my head. And, And I think that Similarly, when we're creating professionally, there's a finish line, there are strict requirements, there are boundaries that you can't you can and can't cross, you know, and deadlines and budgets are mostly not negotiable. So because you have described yourself as a serial hobbyist, you know, so when we're talking about creativity outside the realm of work, um, how do you how do you work that creative muscle? Well, both in and out of work, I I like to touch lots of different things, as I know you do as well, different mediums, different forms, different lengths. So the more variety of things I can touch, the more I can sort of interplay and cross-pollinate. And I think that that's an important skill for keeping your creative muscle strong is doing more than one thing. Mm -hmm. And 
while that, that could even mean if you, if you do have one medium or one particular function at work, how can you bring ideas from other sectors into that? How can you deeply explore color or deeply explore typography or deeply explore sound to make something unique and subtly different than the other thing? Mm-hmm. The thing about creativity that I think is really important is don't stop with your first idea. Yeah. And just like you, you can't train for a 5K in 10 minutes, you can't really be deeply creative and good at being creative with just iterating your first idea. Your creative team has a lot of richness and depth that, you know, you've got a designer who's also a very accomplished painter, for example. You know, I, I too have someone who is a really accomplished painter on my staff, and he really takes all of his um, experience with painting and he applies that to the way that he processes color in post-production. And it's really the same philosophy. It's just very different uh, execution on muscle memory, right? And similarly, uh, Scott, who edits our podcast and does great things with our with our audio, is the same way. You know, his, his skill set and the way that he approaches things uh, really reflects his creative that's really outside of his professional realm. So really what I'm hearing from both of us is keeping your creative muscle strong means a lot of exploration too. Mm -hmm. I think it's consistency. So again, if we go back to that almost uh, physical muscle memory, it's it's, um, trying new things. If you only run, your body's going to look a certain way, but it, it may not look like you lift a lot of weights or, you know, so you have to kind of cross train, right? For lack of a better description. I think too, one of the places where I don't succeed in working my create my creative muscle is that uh, sometimes, especially in personal creative pursuits, I, I stop short. So I run out of time. I come up with an excuse here or there why I don't always finish. And that's something that I'm going to work around because we always finish at work, right? Professionally, we're bound to our agreements and we have integrity to follow through, but we can always come up with a reason why we might stop personally. So, oh, that didn't go in the direction I wanted to, or I, or we use time as an excuse for why we set the knitting needles aside or whatever it is, or I didn't finish the writing because it doesn't matter. It was just for fun. But I think that... Um, like anything, the exercise of finishing, even in the face of, well, it's not really going in the direction that I want, it's in the it's in that last inch or that last few yards that you learn those lessons of why you even wanted to stop to begin with. I think that's a really interesting thought. And and as I hear you talk about it, it makes me think, why why do people stop before they've gotten to the end? And either I'm not motivated, it's not going the way I want to, I've become distracted by something else. But getting over those barriers mm-hmm. and forcing yourself to get over those barriers creatively makes you a better creative and makes you a, makes you a better creator. It's not going the way I want to. Well, then, how can you creatively solve that or honor the new direction that it's going? Mm-hmm. I'm not motivated. Well, work on your motivation so that you can become someone who can produce on the regular. So really look at the thing that's keeping you from finishing and know that's what you're working on. At that point, it maybe isn't even the creative project that is your reason for finishing. It's getting good at overcoming those barriers and doing the last 10 sit-ups. So right, speak. absolutely. Or, you know, and I think some of the other barriers are, well, I didn't, 
you know, prior to becoming a parent, I painted a lot and I never would share my artwork. I never gave my artwork to anyone. It truly was just the process of feeling the paint move underneath my hand using whatever tool I was using. Mostly I was using knives over, um, or, or spatulas and things like that over brushes. But I just really enjoyed the way that felt for the same reason I have enjoyed working with clay uh, and pottery in the past. And I, and I think I've never shared it with anyone is because I've never really been that happy about the outcome. It's never been uh, something that would be a gift or something that I would sell, but I have enjoyed the process. But I also think that underneath that is probably a fear of judgment or a not good enough or something like that. And I feel like in order to get better rather than just setting the spatulas or the wheel or the clay aside, it's getting underneath that and figuring out what that barrier is and just finish it anyway. Because it's in solving that problem that unlocks you know, creativity elsewhere in our lives. Absolutely true. I had a, a friend of mine the other day, was he's a, he's a runner, and he said, I did not want to run, but I wanted to have had run. And I thought, oh, that feeling when you finish, how good that feels, can be a motivator to get you over the hump of having not, not done it, mm -hmm. right? Because finishing makes you feel great. Yeah. You feel very accomplished. Mm -hmm. so. Well, and the weight of something undone. You know, I have a craft closet and the weight of having something undone. I don't stumble upon it very often, but if I'm in there, if I'm in my craft closet looking for a supply for something, usually my kids, and I stumble across the cross stitch or the needle point that I never finished, I just close that drawer and it's like, oh. So, so that's a thing that I carry around with me, uh, even though I'm not really cog cognizant that I'm carrying it around with me. But uh, those are things that I've explored and, and I think maybe not using the excuse of like, oh, that was a previous life or, oh, I don't have time or, oh, that was before kids. Not using that excuse as a crutch, but like to finish it just for the sake of finishing it to see if there's a lesson learned in the finishing. Well, and something like that too, if you were to pick that cross stitch up and say, I'm just going to put in five minutes, then put it back down and not, not let the guilt or the weight get to you. If you just put a little bit in and see how that feels, then maybe tomorrow you would put a little more. So while I'm an advocate for finishing, and I often have to remind myself to finish, sometimes just a few minutes of progress can change your perspective or your feelings about a project. Here's a question for you, Karen. What is on your plate creatively after this big 14-month project? Do you have thoughts of big ones or another, or lots of little ones or another big one? I am currently entertaining all concepts of the next big one. So if anybody has the next big one, that's great. But I do have some really exciting and very satisfying uh, and meaningful work that's coming ahead um, in, in the weeks and months to come. So we're already starting to get, dig into those and, and solve those problems. So those are really exciting. But I think, too, I've talked before about my son having a jewelry business. He's coming up with a new line, <laughs> which Fantastic. I love, uh, which we've been exploring together. And so sometimes my creativity in my personal life really is more reflective of what my kids are into than what I'm into, but that's also really cool because it challenges me to explore things that I did not necessarily have an inclination to be interested in. It sounds like you have an interesting few months coming up, that's for sure. Yeah. I, that also makes me think, you know, not only are we we're talking about our creative muscle personally, but as a, as a business, the creative muscle of the business mm -hmm. and the team and how that team gets back into shape after a big project or back into shape after the holidays. And we all either are wrapping up projects and in really production and technical mode or taking a lot of time off. As a team, you have to 
work that muscle back together when it rolls around to January and February. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, when, and when we're feeling uh, like we want to hibernate and we're feeling a little flabby, we've already started having the conversation about re-reviewing things like process and re-reviewing, revisiting things like workflow and reviewing our creative process uh, to see how what's working and what isn't working and what no longer serves us and what could serve us uh, more productively and more fruitfully uh, in the new year. So those are things that are already in the works for us as well. That's so funny you say that because on Monday we have a process conversation scheduled for two hours in the office. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, in some ways, all creative businesses are the same. All creative processes are the same. And there are, there are steps you have to go through to stay, stay strong. Yeah. And it sounds like we both go through the same steps sometimes. Yeah. And I'm sure I have an undone cross-stitch somewhere. <laughs> I definitely have a lot of well-intentioned yarn. <laughs> I, have, I, I hoard yarn ridiculously. Because it's so pretty. It's just so pretty. Speaking of pretty, Nellie Kuh. It was so pretty. Such and it a pretty was cocktail. Delicious, and I'm so glad that we shared it. While I won't have a, a second one right now, I can't wait to make it at home. You know what I think makes this is the orange flower water because that's just it's such a light and delicate but very flavorful component. And it's funny because you're and I agree with you. And it's funny because I don't think it would be the same drink without it. And it's such a special little addition. I know um, I have a client that uses a lot of rose water in her cooking, and you can you can completely execute her recipes. She's a cookbook, but you can totally do her recipes without it but when but it's missing it's missing and it's you just really, not the same you really feel it when it's there so listeners check this recipe out on the website it would be well worth it and it's a beautiful presentation if you have somebody coming over just because the little lime and then the crystallized ginger and sugar on the cup um makes it extra special so if anybody's checked this one out let us know if you like it karen where can people find us you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Easy Underground or on our website, thespeakeasypodcast.com. So Karen, what are we talking about next time? Well, when I say plan ahead, what do you think about? Definitely planning a project and also thinking of ways to manage the mayhem that is parenthood. I love a good plan, but sometimes it's really hard to stay ahead of a moving target. In our next episode, we're talking with attorney Gabrielle Lawrence about planning ahead. She's a master planner in her own life, but she's also a professional estate planner. Join us next time. 